Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Rabbit Weasel podcast, where we talk about horror movies. We just took, uh, well, I forgot what, what episode are we on. Yeah, what episode are we on now? That's a well, good question. 13, hold on, I can find out real quick. That's something we need to know. This you is 11, 11, episode Whoa, 11. 11. <laughs> we took a, a few weeks break there because in October we pumped out five episodes, which I'm yeah. kind of proud of. Yeah, we did it, Yep. Five Halloween-themed movies, so um, we're a little bit late to do a Thanksgiving movie, um, which that's disappointing because I have a few good ones, but uh, next year, next year, we can do... Uh, uh, blood rage blood freak there's Ooh, there's a few a few in there these. i'm kind of excited yeah there are i don't think there are any good thanksgiving horror movies because i i tried to find them um there's a couple of okay ones and i think is it blood freak is the worst maybe the worst movie i've ever seen <laughs> um it's about a guy who like takes some drugs and turns into a turkey killer turkey monster and the turk it's a paper mache monster anyways <laughs> so <laughs> we've got a lot to does he play yes. poker is there a poker scene a poker scene where they're playing poker like the game yeah mm, maybe i can't remember because it was last year when i last saw it it's like an early 70s movie really yeah i would be amazed if you'd seen that i had to find it like a youtube cut but yeah so we'll get to that eventually but we got to get started because today we are covering invasion of the body statures the 1978 film (laughs) and there's a lot to cover here but first we should introduce ourselves again because we've been gone for a while uh i'm jared the host super horror movie nerd um it's a very you know impressive title that i give myself uh i'm also here with my sister-in-law mia say hello mia hello everyone hello mia and we're here with my brother justin justin hello 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 nice to see you i'm now brainstorming on like a cool title for you that's appropriately nerdy um, I'm not getting anything yet, but okay. Supreme yeah. Warlord, something, Supreme something. Warlord. <laughs> Warlord, good Lord, no, 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 no. Uh, that's like LARPing level nerdy. <laughs> um, hey, if you LARP, that's cool too. But uh, <laughs> there's a hierarchy of nerdy stuff, you know. I think at the top is, I don't know, Star Wars, and then Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. It goes down to like Twilight and Dungeons and Dragons, and <laughs> but. Uh, Justin, this was your pick. Um, why did you pick this movie? So I one of what one of the things I was hoping to do was watch some of the best science fiction horror films as part of our fun. And um, this one come up while I was looking around. It's also uh, mentioned in uh, a book uh, that I read recently, Robots in Space, um, that talks about it as highlighting some of the science fiction from the era. Um, so I wanted to check it out because it's, it's thought of as one of the classic science fiction horror movies. Yeah, and you are very interested, you actually do some some work in the, not science fiction, what's slowly, used to be science fiction, but becoming science reality now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So you're doing some research in, in that work, in that field. 
Yeah, one, um, of the, one, one of the uh, books I'm teaching right now makes a, an appearance as a recommendation in the film. So I'm not going to give it away just yet. Um, but one of my favorite books that I'm teaching this semester in a space governance course makes an appearance in this film. So I'm quite excited. And the, the, one of the themes from the book is one of the themes from the movie. So I'm pretty excited to get into some of maybe the science fiction pieces of it as well as some of the horror pieces. And I think most of our listeners are actually still coming from your podcast, so they should know. But for anybody who's uh, coming from our page, where can they learn more? Uh, tell us about your other podcasts, where they can learn more about your work. Yeah, thanks. Um, so I have a podcast called Bush School Uncorked, which is the professional one, public policy. And then uh, I do another one called Public Problems, which is where we publish, uh, one of the places we publish Rabbit Weasel. We also publish Bush School Uncorked bunch of different policy issues and some stuff on technology as well and uh, you can find that on soundcloud itunes um i have a website justinbullock.org i think still mm-hmm. um and on the bush school website so you can find all that i also do some written work on ai and space and governance cool stuff so and for those of you who are listening on justin's podcast uh don't forget, we have a podcast too. We have our own, uh, well, we have a podcast. We have our own podcast page, uh, Rabbit Weasel Podcast on SoundCloud. Please go check that out too. Please you can do, leave yes. comments. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Rabbit Weasel Reviews. I haven't been doing too much writing lately because October was uh, so busy, but I plan on getting started on that soon. Um, we post announcements when the updates, uh, when the videos are out. I will be putting more writings on there soon. So please come connect with us. You can request you can request movies. You can comment. Give us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. So with this movie, let's give a little bit of background on it before we get into our initial thoughts. Um, it was released in 1978. It was directed by Philip Kaufman. This is actually a, a remake, making it one of, if not the best remakes of all time. Um, which is refreshing in a time where remakes have been so cheap and terrible for a long time. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing is another big one. David Cronenberg's The Fly is another very good one. Um, there's been a few, but this is this is a really good movie. Uh, the first film came out in 1956, and I still haven't seen that one. Um, have to get to it at some point. And it was based off a book by Jack Finney called The Body Snatchers uh, that came out in 1955. So unfortunately, I haven't gotten to either of those yet, but uh, they're, they're on the list, the very, very long list, ever-growing <laughs> list. I think I have a list of 700, 600 movies to watch on IMDb. Oh my gosh. So whenever people tell me, you know, hey, you need to see this movie, I tell them, yeah, it'll go on the list, but the list is 600 <laughs> movies long. So, <laughs> um, I had my history with this movie. This isn't one I was as familiar with. Um, yes, I had seen it. I think I first saw it in sometime in high school. The first kind of horror movie genre I got into was slasher films. I think that's where a lot of people start. And then after that, I got into zombie movies. And this was a movie that I discovered while looking for more zombie movies. And it's not really a zombie movie, but in some ways we'll talk about later, it, it functions like a zombie movie mm-hmm. in some ways. So I think when I first saw it, I wasn't that impressed, um, probably because I was a little 
too young to properly appreciate it. And this is before I'd been to film school and really, really got into film. And I was more interested in flashier movies like, uh, you know, Reanimator, Creep Show, more effects driven 80s movies, you know. What's that, Justin? It's good, but it's definitely like a 70s movie. I mean, yeah. It's, we turned, I mean, we really liked it and are looking forward to diving into it, but it was really hard to get through it. I mean, it is long and you like see it coming sometimes and it's coming and it's still yeah. coming. And it's like, come on, come on, pick yeah. up the pace a little bit, Donald Sutherland. <laughs> the 70s had, uh, yeah, a different pace that's, um, is more kind of like we talked about this with Halloween, right? It's more gradual and draws you in. This is these aren't movies that you can just kind of like throw on in the background and kind of watch to appreciate them properly. You have to uh, really pay attention. Rosemary's Baby, I felt was that way too. Like you really had yeah. to pay attention to get all of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, they're more artistic, I think. You know, and some mm-hmm. people get it, some people don't. Um, so it was a movie I always knew I needed to rewatch, and I finally did rewatch it for this podcast, and uh, yeah, it blew me away. I was amazed at how good it was, um, and I rewatched it again, so I watched it twice preparing for this, and the second time I picked up on even more. So awesome. uh, I think it's a classic, but uh, before we go back to Justin, get your first thoughts, Mia, what did, had you seen this movie before, Mia? No, I had not. Mm-hmm. This is my first. Well, I guess now my second time, but yeah. I had not seen it before. Okay, what did you think about it? Um, first time, I think I might have fallen asleep. <laughs> was, it was just a long day. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, but when we watched it the second time, I was like, oh my gosh. Well, I, even the first time that I was watching it, I picked up on a lot of like background stuff that if you're not paying attention, you'll miss. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of people running or making, you know, gestures in the background. Um, but the second time I appreciated more, I did not fall asleep. I watched it all the way through and it was very good. Yeah. It's long. It is long. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, long. it's just under two hours, I think. Mm. Um, and a lot of that is suspense building, you know, yeah. and story. Um, but Justin, it was your pick. What do you think? Were you, we've already you've already given some of your thoughts, but anything yeah. else to add? I liked it. I I don't want to go into too much because I'm afraid I'll start giving things away. So, um, but yeah, I really liked it. There's some cool elements from sci-fi that are executed really well. There's some cool horror elements that are executed really well. I know less about kind of the angles and the shots and things, but there were some pretty cool shots that even I picked up on, like Mia mentioned, where there's stuff going on in the background that you're, you know, that you have to really be paying attention to catch it. And I also really liked the um, the acting. Um, I thought I really liked the, the characters. You kind of get caught up in a little bit, at least I did. So. I also, you know, sometimes the characters are throwaways um, in some of the horror movies we've been watching, and <laughs> I really liked uh, a couple of the characters, so mm-hmm. I I really enjoyed it. That's one thing I like about pre-80s movies. Sometimes, we'll start in the 70s, but definitely in the 80s with the slasher films, as much as I love them, they created the idea of, yeah, let's just have kind of like stock teenagers, good-looking characters, but before that, you had like real people real characters and they weren't always just good looking teenagers you know who were dumb um and 
I think there's kind of a push now to bring that that back into mainstream horror, more more realistic characters. But uh, yeah, all right. Well, let's just get right into it then. Lead us along on the path. Yeah. And everybody, buckle up um, because I have four pages of notes, 18, almost 1900 words. <laughs> this is going to be a long one. All right. Walk us through it. Walk us through it. We're ready. Yeah. All right. So this one, it starts off with an opening title sequence and we see the aliens uh, on a distant planet. There's, there's no, you know, right away. And based on the title of the movie that it's aliens going on, there's no real mystery about what's, what the, what's happening here. Uh, and the aliens, they're not your first thought of aliens. They're more plants. It's kind of reminded me of a cross between uh, when you blow on a dandelion and frog eggs. Right. This weird plant goopy-like material that's floating through the air. They float away from the planet through outer space and make their way to Earth where they begin to form flowers on a rainy day. Um, and for 1978, there's some really cool, we'll talk more about the effects, but there's some cool effects here already mm-hmm. with the uh, plants acting kind of like a parasite and growing on the other plants and forming flowers. I'm not sure how they did this actually. Some of it I think is stop motion, uh, stop motion animation maybe, but either way, the, the effects are very good here. Even the stuff um, on the home planet I thought was kind of, you know, in the opening scenes before they get to earth and those effects are really good, but I really like the visuals of the, of the planet that they came from too. I thought all oh, that was kind of trippy but uh, really beautiful too. Um, mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that also. Yeah, this was right at the time. I mean, Star Wars had just come out along the year before and really took science fiction special effects up a notch. You had Alien come in out around the same time. So the late 70s were pretty good for science fiction, especially science fiction uh, special effects, you know. Um, oh, and I noticed on my second listening, there's a teacher here. Did you hear what the teacher was saying? There's a teacher leading some kids on a field trip. Yeah, yeah, something about picking the flowers, right? Yeah. She says, there's some there's some more flowers, kids. Go pick them. Now you can take them home to your parents. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things. It's kind of funny if you're not paying attention. Um, you won't catch it the first time. But the second time you're around, you're like, oh, God, that's, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> so one of the flowers is picked by... One of our main protagonists, uh, Elizabeth, played by Brooke Adams, she takes it home to her disinterested husband, and we see right away that um, her husband's name is Jeffrey. We see that their relationship isn't really the best. Actually, I don't think it's her husband. It's her boyfriend. boyfriend, Yeah. yeah. Um, So we see their relationship isn't uh, the best, and there's some cool stuff here where you notice you never really see them properly. Instead, they're always kind of in the shadows or behind plants. And yeah, it, it's shot in an interesting way that makes you a little uneasy and shows the distance between the two of them. Mm-hmm. So uh, then we meet the other star of the movie, I guess the probably the main protagonist, although there's several good characters here. Uh, Matthew, played by Donald Sutherland, who is fantastic, oh, I think, in gosh, this movie. Yeah, he's so really good. great. He was also in um, Don't Look Now. Have you guys seen Don't Look Now? No. Oh, that's another classic we've got to get to. It uh, came out, I think, a few years before this one. But, yeah, he does a great job of playing 
he's just a good actor in general, especially when it comes to like highly emotional moments. He shows pain really well. But Donald Sutherland, Matthew, he is Elizabeth's boss, and they both work together for the Department of Health. And we first meet him at a restaurant. He's uh, doing an inspection, and he finds rat feces in some of the food. Kind of a this movie doesn't have a lot of humor, but it's kind of a funny scene. Yeah, uh, where he's like, "This is a rat turd." Caper, 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 rat turd. If it's a rat turd, eat it. Yeah, yeah. You see that he takes his job very seriously, at least. Um, he calls Elizabeth to have her come in early the next morning. And when Elizabeth goes to bed, we see the flower that she picked next to Jeffrey in a glass of water. It's kind of cool. The flower is like almost glowing blue. Mm -hmm. So the next morning, Jeffrey is already awake. He's sweeping up the glass uh, off the floor and the flower is gone. He's acting a little strange, very quiet. He takes the... Elizabeth is immediately concerned. Like, what's, what's up with you? He takes the trash outside to a waiting garbage truck. Now, this scene is great because it manages to make sweeping and taking out the trash creepy. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's brilliant how they managed to pull that off. But um, it's like a I really did. odd interaction with the garbage man, too. He yeah. like points or pokes him or something. Like, yeah. really kind of an odd interaction. I didn't, I caught it a little bit the first time, but the second time around, I really realized how much the garbage men are playing a role in this movie. If you watch sometimes in the background, um, mm -hmm. the garbage men are always there and they're like disposal for the pods that go, that go bad or the cleanup crew. Cause they're always in the background. And every time you see the trash, there's like a, a big, um, a big pile of organic material. Yeah. So the trash men, I guess they got infected earlier and they play a big, big role in the movie. So, but yeah, that, that whole scene's kind of, kind of weird with him. And he walks right outside to the garbage man and he gives him the trash. The garbage man drives away. Yeah, it's, it's all weird. You see, there's just something off, right? Mm -hmm. Most of this, the early part of the movie is just something's off and it gets more and more off as the movie goes. Um, so, and as Elizabeth is walking to work, we see, again, just a, a short little thing. We see people running in the background, and it's not really explained, but they're clearly upset about something, and you can miss it if you're not looking. Just well-dressed people running in the background. And if you've ever lived in the city, um, if you see people running, it gets you nervous very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Usually running from something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anytime you're in the city and you see people running, you're like, oh, God, what's going on? Somebody's been shot or whatever. If you notice already, watch watch this movie. If you've seen it, watch it again and watch the background because you'll see there are people who are just a little out of place. Like they're just standing there for no reason and they're often staring, you know, stuff you'll miss if you're not careful. But back at home that night, uh, Jeffrey tells Elizabeth that he must go to a late night meeting. Um, he's very suspicious about it. And Elizabeth, who is now very concerned, goes to Matthew's house and tells, uh, tells him her feelings that Jeffrey has changed somehow. Uh, and by the way, did you guys pick up during this scene that there's obviously some sort of tension between these two? I mean, I thought it was fairly obvious. Yeah. 
And on the second watch, it's I think even when he's asking her to come into work, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of kind of flirtiness, but yeah. definitely by that by this point. Yeah, there's flirtiness through all their interactions. Yeah. Yeah. Because she acts they act more like a couple in their interactions than her and Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're fighting, but by the end of the fight, her and Matthew, they're they're fighting over how early she should come in, but by the end of the fight, they're laughing, you know. Yeah. So yeah, you can pick that up pretty quickly. Um, Jeffrey suggests that she goes to see his famous psychiatrist friend who can kind of help her understand why Jeffrey is acting different. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a great line here, one of the few funny moments in this movie where she's, he's explaining that psychiatrists <laughs> can help. Yeah, the psychiatrist can help put things, um, understand things, what's going on, whether Jeffrey is having an affair, whether he had become gay, whether he had a social disease, whether he had become a Republican. Um, <laughs> like, huh? Political humor. <laughs> it's just the delivery there is really funny. Like, what yeah. if he, yeah, anyways. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, another great scene. Matthew goes to like an Asian dry cleaning service, and uh, the owners like calls him to the side. He's like, "Hey, there's something wrong with my wife. That's not her. She's different." Um, and again, building suspense. He tries to get in touch with Elizabeth, but can't reach her. So he goes to her apartment and finds her really distressed. So they go for a little drive. She has been following Jeffrey around all day. And it's kind of cut between her and her, what she's seen during the day. And he has been meeting people, strange people around the city in weird places, and they're passing things between each other. So, like I just said, the music here and the editing uh, really starts building up the tension. And her acting, too. She, everybody, I think pretty much everybody's a good actor in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, another quote here. Somehow today I felt everything had changed. People were different. Not just Jeffrey, but everybody yesterday. They all seemed normal. Today, it all seemed the same, but it wasn't. It was like the whole city had changed overnight. Great monologue. Um, and while they are talking, a man who seems to be you know, just a raving madman runs in front of their car and starts screaming about the end of the world. I love this character in horror movies. There's always that one guy who says the world is ending and And he this character is always seems crazy but they're always right there's another great one in alfred hitchcock's the birds um you know in slasher movies there's often like it's a a gas station store owner or something but it's a so he runs off he's chased by a crowd of people and is then i think he's hit by a car off camera but they pull around to check on him and he is dead so (laughs) Yeah. Didn't turn out so well for him. No, no. Uh, <laughs> next, they go to an event to meet the psychiatrist, and we meet two great characters in this movie who I'm not going to call by their names. I'm just going to call them by the actor's name because the psychiatrist is played by Litter Nimoy of Star Trek fame. And we also see Jeff Goldblum is there, and Jeff Goldblum, uh, Leonard Nimoy is playing the psychiatrist, and Jeff Goldblum is basically playing himself, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which he so did he, so well. <laughs> yeah, uh, he has a, his character has a name, but he will be called Jeff Goldblum from here on out because he's <laughs> yeah. just Jeff Goldblum. And I love his character because he, again, not a lot of humor in this movie, but most of it comes from him. So. <laughs> yeah. um, so there are two important things that are happening in this scene. 
Uh, one, while Jeffrey is calling the police to report that he witnessed the accident, the police seem really uninterested in talking to him, which frustrates him. And two, there's a woman who is causing a scene. She's having like a mental breakdown, crying and screaming to Leonard Nimoy, saying that her husband has changed. And um, he's trying to, you know, calm her down. Like, no, he's doing a psychiatrist thing. You're fine. Calm down. But later he admits to, um, to Matthew that he's heard the same story from several people that uh, recently and he kind of explains all this away with, you know, psychological mumble, mumbo jumbo. <laughs> um, next, we see Jeff Goldblum works with his wife, Nancy, at a mud spa. Um, I, I don't know if it's ever actually said in the movie, but this takes place in San Francisco, I think. Um, yep. So this, this is a very kind of hippie-like part of the movie where they they run a mud spa and they've got all these people there and they have plants and yeah they're, they're kind of an interesting couple um ah justin here you go and this scene a book you like gets a shout out mm-hmm. yep she uh she's talking to one of the i guess patrons of the mud bath uh place that they have the mud bath spa I'm not going to remember the other book that she mentioned now, but she mentions Olaf Stapleton's Star Maker as uh, required reading. And Star Maker, as I mentioned earlier, is a uh, is a book that uh, I'm teaching in a space governance course that I discovered. I discovered Olaf Stapleton about what about a year ago now. Um, he has several kind of great science fiction texts that are like describing other worlds and kind of reflecting on the human condition. And there's, there are like so many um, kind of paying tribute to, to his book in the, in the movie. Um, the first is just even the, the actual aliens themselves kind of being this kind of gaseous, gelatinous plant thing from another planet. He describes like a variety of types of aliens, including plant men. Um, but the best part is uh, the, the most direct reference that I like is a, <clears throat> it's coming, but when they, <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> so, but uh, there's this, uh, one of the most famous descriptions from the star maker is the other earth where the other humans live. And um, they play out this a little bit in the movie as well. Um, and uh, it's considered some of the most imaginative, beautiful uh, speculative fiction ever written. Um, and it's, it's quite good. You should okay. read it already. Yeah. So it gets a shout out in this scene. And um, I think the she's talking about, there's one really, this scene's weird because you just have weird people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the one creepy guy. Well, there's the one severely overweight guy. And we see him wearing nothing but a towel, getting a massage. And he's like struggling to get out of the mud. Uh, then there's this one really creepy guy who looks like, um, I don't know. What does he look like? Um but anyway, he's just a creepy guy, <laughs> and he gives um, he gives Nancy a, a plant. Well, he's trying to tell her to read this book. You have to read this book. It's required reading, and Nancy thanks him for giving her a plant. And then after Matthew takes Elizabeth home, Jeffrey doesn't seem to be there, but he has also left her a plant as a gift. So, yeah, if you haven't figured it out by now, people, it's coming from the plants. Um, when 
but when Matthew leaves, we see Jeffrey hiding. It's really creepy. He's like standing against the wall with his eyes wide open, listening to everything. Um, but back at the mud spa, we have our first real. So most of the movie has been suspense building. Um, well, I guess the guy getting hit by the car was pretty much a horrific scene, but uh, this is our first real horror scene. Um, when Nancy and Jeff Goldblum find one of the pod people <laughs> just laying in, in one of their booths. And it's not yet fully formed. It kind of looks like a corpse covered in moss. It's mm-hmm. pretty good looking. Um, they have Matthew come and investigate. And Matthew, he doesn't really say it, but you can tell that he he's realized now what's going on. He knows that it's replicating uh, Jeff Goldblum. And he calls Elizabeth, who picks up the foam, but is barely conscious. And she's very sick because she's being also replicated. So he rushes to her house in his car while uh, Jeff Goldblum gets more and more sick. And the pod begins to look more and more like him and even opens his eyes at one point. It's great stuff. But uh, so Matthew, who is now rightfully suspicious of Jeffrey, sneaks into Elizabeth's apartment and sneaks her out after seeing her replicant growing in the room. Uh, I guess replicant is the right word. I hope so, because that's what I'm using. Leonard Nimoy has arrived at the mud spa. It's not really explained why he shows up there, but um, they're like, go, go look, there's a dead body back there, but he can't find it. So they see an opened window and in the background, the trash men are there. So you can kind of work out on a viewing the movie again, that they came and destroyed the evidence and got rid of it before they could be found out. Uh, Matthew takes Elizabeth back to his house and goes with the police and Leonard Nimoy and Jeff Goldblum to Elizabeth's apartment to confront Jeffrey, but all traces of the Elizabeth replication are gone. And Leonard manages to smooth the situation over with the police, like, hey, I'm a big shot psychiatrist. I can take care of this. Yeah, like, okay, and, sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The next day, um, well, yeah, and there's a, there's a very subtle moment here, too, where uh, Jeffrey, he acts like, unnaturally calm about the situation like eh, it's okay he tells the police i don't want to press charges uh but when everybody walks out of the room you see him and the police exchange a quick glance again yeah, little things the, you can and his attorney and his attorney who's standing there kind of with him as well all three mm. of them kind of like exchange looks yeah there's a lot of little looks in this movie that you'll miss if you're not paying attention the next day leonard is having kind of that group therapy session with our four main characters nancy jeff goldblum matthew and elizabeth um that says uh, something that i actually remember all the characters names too normally i forget them all (laughs) um so they're trying to tell him what's going on and he's trying to say you guys sound kind of crazy but he's trying to understand uh and Leonard Nimoy eventually tells matthew off to the side that he believes him he's like i believe you you know but he gets into a car he walks away and then he gets into a car and inside the car is Jeffrey and one of Jeffrey's friends. And he says, the sooner, the better. <laughs> That's all you get from there. At this point in the movie, had you guys caught on that Leonard Nimoy was one of them yet? Yes. Yeah. yeah it wasn't completely clear. I think, you know, until he was in the car, um, but there were certainly hints of it. Yeah, there were hints of it. Um, but <laughs> But, um, I, yeah, there were just, like, hints of it. And then especially, like, when he he's, like, really quick to play off anything when they're raising concerns, and especially, like, in the apartment where the police are, like, 
letting him like easily just like oh i'm a psychiatrist i'll take care of this mm-hmm. it's kind of like they were working together it felt like and especially in that scene yeah yeah i mean certainly he had, he'd been behaving in ways that i don't know was kind of questionable but i until he got in the car with them i definitely wasn't sure <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, that to me was when I really first realized that upon watching the movie again, it's fun to watch and see, was he one the whole time? Uh, When did he become one? But the first real hint is when he he just, they open the door at the spa and he's just standing there with a solid face. It's kind of jarring. Mm -hmm. So that's your first real hint. But this, my first time rewatching the movie, I was like, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because he's the first like, powerful person influential person you know has been taken over yeah uh but the group they managed to realize that the flowers are somehow connected to people being replicated um then there's this cool montage with matthew trying to make phone calls because he's he's a we've established at the beginning of the movie that he is also an influential person he's like the head of the uh, um the public public health the health health department yeah so (laughs) It's, it's kind of cool that he's actually in a position to do something about this. Um, so he, he's making calls to various government officials, but he's kind of getting shut down at every end with them resisting him saying like, you know, you don't have any evidence or you sound, you sound stressed or crazy. We don't want to cause a public panic. And they just shut him down basically. And it ends with him going back suddenly to the dry cleaner from earlier and the man and his wife are there together and they're both like just smiling creepily going, oh no, she's better. She's much better now. (laughs) Oh shit, things are going down. Um, Yeah, I keep saying it, but that's what this movie does so well, especially in this first act. It's just, it builds it slowly, slowly, slowly. It keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And every time you're like, oh my God, this is getting out of control. (laughs) So that night, uh, the four of them go and stay at Matthew's house he falls asleep uh sitting outside and we have one of the creepiest scenes in the movie um a nearby pod he falls asleep and we see that there's a nearby pod it opens up and it kind of reaches out its tendrils and wraps around his hand and begins replicating him again the effects here are really impressive i wasn't quite sure how they pulled it off there's a couple ways i can think of one is stop motion animation i think some of it here is if it is it's done really well um or maybe <clears throat> playing the scene in reverse like I, it's hard to know how they did it but it's great um but we see there are several pods they open up and they basically give birth to multiple replicants of our characters mm-hmm. and it, it's really intense and gross it looks organic kind of like um alien which is another movie we got to cover soon um it just looks very shaking and everything they have like they're sort of becoming human they're like coming from plant to human when starting to do their shaking Mm -hmm. yeah they're literally being born right and they're kind of they're covered in like uh goo and moss Mm -hmm. and like the matrix when neo's born again Matrix shout out um (laughs) but yeah really impressive stuff and it's it's creepy because they're sort of like they look kind of human and they're full size, but they also kind of look like babies. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> so Matthew is slowly being absorbed, um, but he's awakened by Nancy screaming and he runs inside and he calls the police, but <laughs> they tell him to hold on and they use his name. He's like, wait a second. I didn't say my name. How do you know my name? 
And this is, again, another one of those moments where you go, oh, shit, things are really out of control. They know what's going on. The police are in on this. And that's probably the scariest part, you know, I think. Yeah. Uh, corrupt police are maybe one of the scariest things ever. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, this is the big moment where we and the characters, the characters finally realize just how big this thing is, right? Um, but let's talk a little bit about the actual replication process because watching the movie a few times now, I'm still confused exactly about how that works. It seems like there's two different ways it's going on. Um, I mean, so at first with Jeff Goldblum, it seems like um, he's getting more sicker as the plant becomes more and more like him. And then when he wakes up, it goes unconscious, but there's no actual physical contact. Whereas here and later on in the movie, it seems there has to be physical contact for the plant to absorb and how quick this process happens is kind of confusing. So I don't know. Did that throw you guys off too? Like it's never explained exactly how this works. Um, it, yeah, I would say so. I think one of the things, well, I didn't notice on the, when it's um, with, um, how, What's his name? Matthew oh. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. Jeff. Goldblum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How can I, can't I forget, forget Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> <laughs> um, but Jeff Goldblum, when he's laying down, because in the mudroom or where all the beds are, you can see the guy, the replica, like mm. a few beds over, <clears throat> and he's they're both laying down. But I don't remember seeing because I know when. Um, when Matthew lays down, there's like this weird little like moss tentacle thing yeah. that attaches on and then you see them kind of like drying up from their face like if their like skin is starts to dry or like, like starts bleeding. to like die yeah. off or something like that. And so but I didn't see that in during the Jeff Goldblum scene. I might have missed right. it. Well, his face does have, like, his nose is bleeding, and there is some dryness around his lips, but it almost seems more supernatural there, because there's nothing touching him. It's just him getting more and more sick, while the plant in the other room gets more and more alive, but then, and this, and then with um, Elizabeth, again, there's nothing touching her. It's just her getting more and more sick, with the plant becoming more human, but here and later on, there has to be actual touch. Yeah. So anyways, the, the point is that that's kind of it's it's not really consistent as to how this process actually works. And the, and uh, the timing of it. I mean, we get it happening at a quicker pace at different points in time. Yes. Yeah. Um, and later on, it happens extremely quickly. But we'll get to that later. So, yeah, that, that that's my only my only real criticism of the movie is uh, that it wasn't really consistent as to how this process works. Um, it could be evolving. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Good yeah, job, evolution for the win. Uh, <laughs> they're adjusting to their new environment yeah, and getting right. more effective. Right. All right. That'll be very staple Stapleton of them <laughs> to be adapting via evolution to their new environment. Good job, Justin. You Thank saved you. that bit. Um, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so they look outside and they realize that there are dozens of people from the city gathering around and coming up after them. So they rush out the back and in probably the goriest part of the movie, Matthew gets uh, what does he get an ax or something? And he bashes in the head of his own replicant that already looks just like him. 
So that's an intense moment where, you know, have having to, uh, in zombie movies, there's a lot of people, you know, they have to kill their reanimated zombie loved one, right? But in this movie, you have to basically kill yourself, you know? <laughs> one of the things we know that Mia noticed in that moment was he, he like struggles. It looks like he's going to like kill uh, one of the other replicants first that looks like uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. And uh, but instead, he doesn't seem like he can do it and goes and kills himself instead. And Mia's comment was, uh, must be easier to kill your own replicant than the one of the woman that you love. <laughs> so, well, anyways, that's also it's really gory and it's kind of we've seen gross stuff, but we haven't seen any gore at this point. So, when you see the head just like explode, you know, and cave yeah. in and there's blood, and yeah, it's a very intense moment, but um. And this causes his pursuers to just start screaming like banshees. And for the rest of the movie, they're going to be screaming um, whenever they see someone. So, and I like it because it's almost like they're part of a, it's almost like they're part of a single organism. And when one gets hurt, it hurts all of them, you know, but now's the point in the movie where it kind of switches from a suspenseful plot driven movie to more like a, more like an action film or more like a traditional zombie film with the whole city's kind of been overrun. It's like post-apocalyptic and they're trying to hide and come up with a plan while they're pursued by large groups of these zombie like monsters, you know, um, except here, the monsters are very intelligent and they're organized and they have all the powers of, um, social institutions on their side you know they've got the, the police on their side yeah great stuff so but we're kind of switching like a, gears huh it does kind of feel like a hive mind kind of vibe where mm -hmm. everyone's part of just the whole like a part of the frightening part of it is they they seem to lose their individual will or individual desires yeah and real quick i know you guys are rick and morty fans you remember reminds me of that episode of rick and morty where Rick uh, meets up with the, what's her name? That alien life form who oh, yeah. likes planets, yeah. his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, same yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's a good reference there. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. That one's good. Yeah. yeah. Won't get off on that tangent, but yeah, <laughs> good. good reference. Um, so Jeff Goldblum, he kind of, sacrifices himself because the group gets chased into a corner with all the monsters coming and he he's going to lead the pod people on a chase so the others can escape and i love his quote here he goes here i am you pod bastards hey pods come and get me you scum and he's jeff goldblum and it's great uh <laughs> jeff goldblum is so great yeah he's been um, pulling that off for so long and every time it's enjoyable yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, uh, have you guys seen uh, The Fly? David Cronenberg's The Fly? Okay, well, he's the main character in that, so that's another one we... Oh God, we've got to get to at some point. Another science fiction movie. Um, really so Nancy chases after him and leaving Matthew and Elizabeth. They're on their own now. They get away and try to walk through the city uh, nonchalantly, but another crowd quickly forms behind them and begins following them, so... And chasing they get away and a taxi driver stops to pick them up and they go to the airport but along the way the taxi driver starts asking questions that make them suspicious and they eventually pull up to a police roadblock 
and we realize even the uh, the taxi driver is in on it. And but before the police can get to them, they take off running again. So this this last uh, forty five minutes of the movie, there's a lot of like, oh no, run away, get chased, run away, get chased. Yeah. Um, they go to their uh, health department office, and we finally get a kiss between the two, sort of affirming what we've already figured out that there's something between them two. Uh, after getting some rest, they look outside and see that the pod people have now moved into the open with large groups of organized people carrying around the pods. Um, <laughs> another kind of funny moment, they take some pills. They call it speed. I don't know exactly what it is. Caffeine pills, amphetamines or something. Um, and another great quote here. How many are we supposed to take? It says take one, take five. Uh, <laughs> just throws them back. Oh, my gosh. Which is, uh, that's that's almost as scary as anything else in the movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't 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 take pills, people. Yeah. Um, or if you do, don't take more than the recommended amount. That's how you <laughs> get in trouble. Five times as much. <laughs> yeah, don't take five. One or two, that's okay. But five, that's how you uh, you know wake up in the hospital. Anyways, yeah, yeah. A group of people, um, including Leonard Nimoy, they come in with oh Leonard Nimoy's here Jeff Goldblum is also here and we see that he's been replicated um they come in with uh, some other people and basically to force them to change uh they give them a sedative like an intravenous injection of a sedative but I guess the pills counteract the the sedatives effect because we never really see that affecting them Mm -hmm. which I mean the timing's a little bit off because the pills would take a while to kick in. But anyways, um, but in the only really dumb moment of this movie, all the pod people after giving them the injection leave, except for Leonard Nimoy and Jeff Goldblum, which means that Elizabeth and Matthew can attack them and overpower them. I'm like, guys, you had them cornered. Why would you just (laughs) drug them and leave? Like, okay, we've obviously already succeeded. We'll just leave. Um, (laughs) So hive mind not paying attention, uh, got distracted. Saw Rick Sanchez off in the distance. Yeah. <laughs> got to go pretend to look like Rick's father or whatever yeah. he says in that movie mm. that scene. <laughs> um, so they get away again. They find Nancy, um, and kind of an awkward moment because they know that Jeff Goldblum is dead, but they're not telling her. Mm. Um, she tells them that the pod people can be fooled if you behave like them in public. Uh, don't, you know, don't act emotional, fall, walk around, you know. There's a lot of good social commentary here, too, that we're not getting into, but you guys can figure that out for yourself. Um, <laughs> this works. The idea of, okay, if you just act like everybody else, they won't know you're not one of them. It works for a little while until the most bizarre part of the movie. It's oh, <laughs> so good. Yeah. yeah. Now, hold on. We need to back up a little bit because I haven't discussed yeah. it. It just comes uh, out of nowhere, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, throughout the movie, there's been this homeless man playing a banjo and hanging out with his dog. Now, first off, a little bit of trivia. The banjo there uh, is played by Jerry Garcia of The Grateful oh, Dead. I saw that in the uh, credits, yeah. Oh, well, true fact. Somebody just knew Jerry Garcia, and apparently he liked movies. They're like, hey, you want to play the banjo for us for this minor part? He's like, yeah, sure. So, yeah. that's funny. Jerry Garcia, Grateful Dead for all you deadheads out there. Um, so we've seen this character playing the banjo kind of on the streets a few times with his dog. 
And shortly before this, like maybe five or ten minutes before this, Matthew sees the two of them, um, and they're either dead or unconscious with the pod nearby absorbing them. And he kicks the pod, uh, causing it to bleed or whatever you want to call it. Now, in this part of the movie, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, you know what? One of you want to describe it? It's too good. I'll let one of you have it. Justin? Justin, go ahead. Tell us what happens in this part of the movie. I'll set it up. (laughs) They're they're walking around through the city. The, everyone's organized around them. They're acting cool, playing it cool. And what happens, Justin? And then out of nowhere, there's <laughs> this dog with a very clear human face jumping through the crowd. And then it just comes right up to Elizabeth with its crazy, bizarre human face where a dog face should be. And she's like, ah! <laughs> And it was yeah. Because, she's- like, it has the shape of a human face but on a horse on a on like a dog neck and it was just too much mm-hmm. yeah she screams um understandably when yeah, you see yeah, that yeah. uh that's an understandable scream but a little bit so i guess the idea is that while they were re- being replicated it's it feels out of place because we don't see anything else like this in the entire movie um i guess what's supposed to happen is when matthew dist- hurts the pod it causes the replication process to go wrong, so the two get mixed up somehow. Well, uh, yeah, it's really freaky. The invasive organisms are still evolving. Yeah, <laughs> still learning what shapes might work and what other shapes might not work. Just yeah. a process, man. It's just a process. <laughs> but it is definitely a dog with a human face. And again, for 1978, I don't know how they pulled that off. Um, yeah, I would like to watch the do some more research here because it's a pretty good effect um i don't know how they did it it was really and, jarring yeah and, and also like, you just never see it coming because yeah. like, to your point you haven't seen anything like that and it's just like all of it's been normal humans that are behaving just kind of bizarrely but but just without emotion really is the only yeah. thing they've been doing and then randomly sprinting and then and there's this dog bending around. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was pretty wild. With a human head, and also to make it even more weird, you're hearing banjo music. <laughs> the banjo music that he's been playing throughout the movie is playing during this scene. So you just suddenly hear banjo music, and there's a dog with a human head, and God, what a weird moment! <laughs> I was like, did that just happen? Yeah. I rewatched it. I think like I stopped and rewound it probably five times just to watch it again and again. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it really catches you off guard. It's really startling. Yes, it is. Yeah. There's something about um, when the face doesn't match the body that is always scary, especially if it's like a human face on an animal body or the other way around. Or if you see like pictures on the internet where people switch the face of one animal on another it's always very disturbing to us so yeah this is really really messed up um but anyways so as i said understandably elizabeth completely freaks out at this and screams which reveals themselves to the pod people uh and another chase starts but nancy she kind of manages to slip away into the background so they managed to uh, jump into the back of a, a van and to get away, and it takes them to a factory where the pods are being grown or produced. Elizabeth hurts her ankle, leaving the factory. She's been wearing heels this entire time. Yeah. Good Lord, I would have uh, taken those off, just go barefoot. Did you guys see um, 
Jurassic World, the one that came out several years ago where the girls were running from the dinosaurs in high heels. <laughs> it made me think of that, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure Mia remembers. <laughs> yeah, like, what are you doing? Anyways, <laughs> yeah, good, good. I've I've never worn heels, um, but uh, well, except for the occasional weekend adventure, but no, not really. Um, but uh, <laughs> we went. To, yeah. We went to see uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show on Halloween night, and I got my picture taken. We got our picture with the guy playing Frankenfurter, and I said, "You know what? The only thing I said to him was, good job doing this whole play in high heels, because that's impressive." But, <laughs> anyways um yeah i imagine that would be difficult but because she's been wearing these heels while they're getting away she finally hurts her ankle and falls down while they're getting away from the factory and they hide in some bushes and there's a nice little scene where um we've seen them kiss already but matthew finally just flat out tells her that he's in love with her so it's really nice um there's a really uh hauntingly beautiful scene what's that uh, and Justin said it was so sweet, and I go, "Well, he finally reciprocated because she told him she loved him like maybe 15 minutes before that." Yeah. <laughs> and really? Kind of like stared out into space. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I I completely missed that. I think it's when they got. I think maybe when they took the speed, or when they got the um, the uh, the shot. The shot, oh yeah during that part while when they think they're about to finally be replicated she says it okay yeah but so he finally tells her look i'm in love with you too um and then there's this hauntingly beautiful scene where they hear amazing grace played on bagpipes yeah. some people don't like bagpipes used rightly I, I do think bagpipes are pretty um but they see ships they're next to the ocean uh, they're <laughs> Uh, they're all excited because they found a way to escape. We can get on the boats and get out of the city. And Matthew says, wait here, I'll go check it out. But when he gets there, Amazing Grace stops playing and he sees that the pods are being loaded onto the boats. And we realize that the pod people are now spreading out to who knows the whole world at this point. And he has like a little mini breakdown. <laughs> uh, he goes back to Elizabeth and but he finds that she has fallen asleep and is being replicated just after he admitted he loved her. So uh, this too is all heartbreaking late, stuff. Too little, too late. Yeah, too it's late. all heartbreaking, man. Um, so he kind of like holds her and he's like, it's going to be okay. We're going to get on the boat. Um, and she withers away into like wow, a yeah. hollow shell in her arms. In his arms. And he's just like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and but before he can properly mourn, he is immediately confronted by her replicant who tries to convince him to join her. And that's a creepy part. Like it, it happened with a Jeff Goldblum when people you used to know have become replicated and now they're telling you it's a good thing. You should try it. Everything's okay, you know. Yeah. Um, it's almost kind of seductive, you know, like you almost do want to just go with them and be done fighting. Um, but there's a couple things to say here. One, she is completely naked in this scene. Uh, and we never see anything below the waist, but we definitely see her chest a lot in the next few minutes. She's naked throughout pretty much the rest of the movie. Um, and this movie is rated PG. So back in the seventies, you could have breasts in a movie and still get a PG rating. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, that's no, no, weird. No, no. I would not have thought they would have gotten away with PG. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, because at this point, there was no PG-13. Right. So it was PG or R. So at this point in time, PG actually meant parental guidance, you know. Now you get a PG for anything, you yeah. know. But it, was, it wasn't enough to get an R. So, yeah, it's a PG movie with um, a nude woman running around. But uh, someone online pointed out that uh, don't the rest of the people – I can't remember. The other replicants, don't they have clothes on as they're being replicated? I can't remember. No, they're naked too, right? No, I think they're – the Jeff Goldblum one, I think he was naked. Yeah, the one that looked like uh, Donald Sutherland was also, but also naked, but – he didn't make it far enough to see if he might have had clothes or not. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, but anyways, this, this is the only one that we actually see fully formed and running around naked. Kind of didn't bother me. Maybe a little unnecessary, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, really but, quick transformation. Yeah, she came back. That's when we were alluding to earlier. I mean, it was like bam, bam, and there she was fully looking yeah. like the old uh, Elizabeth. Yeah. Because the first time, again, the replications do seem to be happening faster and faster because the first time with Jeff Goldblum, it's taking a while. They find it just laying there slowly forming. And then the first time Elizabeth almost gets replicated, it's taking a while. And then when Matthew is laying outside and being replicated, uh, we see them actually be born and it's they're kind of like wiggling and slowly forming. This one, as soon as she's dead, boom, she's up and running. But... Uh, so again, she tries to tell Matthew, yeah, you should join us. It's not so bad, blah, 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 blah. Very creepy stuff, but he doesn't. <laughs> he runs back to the factory. <laughs> he goes up to the ceiling because at this point in the movie, you're like, how are they going to be able to stop them? So now comes the part where we have to do something incredible to destroy it all. Um, he goes to the ceiling he uses he finds an axe that's conveniently placed there, uh, and he chops down all the light fixtures from the roof, causing them to all fall and set the place on fire. Uh, there's another chase, and again, he escapes. Um, I kind of glossed over that because you know, like a lot of these movies, there's a lot of action here in the final act and not as much plot, so we're skipping over it. But it's all it's all great, yeah, you know, with him. He's running. He's being chased by her, and there's people, you know screaming and pointing and he's just kind of going mad destroying the place but there's another chase he gets away and then we cut to the next morning <clears throat> here we are this is kind of like so that was sort of the that was really the ending the climax of the movie now we're in like the epilogue right uh matthew goes to work like everything is normal um except for everyone is clearly a pod person now. Like society is just function as, as normal. You know, everybody's still going to work, except everyone's one of the pod people and it's obvious. And he's behaving just like them. Eventually he goes out into the city and he's approached by Nancy who has somehow managed to avoid being captured. But when she goes up to him, he's like, Matthew, Matthew, you know, I found you. He points at her, gets this horrible expression on his face, screams, and revealing he is one of the pod people also. And then the movie ends, and the credits play over a complete silence. <laughs> Welcome to the 70s, where movies ended darkly. Um, yeah. All right, what did you guys think about the ending here? It was great. I mean, leading up to the final scene, I was actually thinking 
that I thought the movie should have ended when um, when Elizabeth is trying to like entice him into becoming a pod person. I thought that would have been kind of a fitting ending to their kind of story. But this is just perfect. I mean, he's like, he's fighting for it, fighting, fighting. It looks like he sneaks away. The next morning you're like, okay, he's going to, he's just fitting in. He's fitting in. There's Nancy. You're like excited to see Nancy and you're seeing Nancy from his point of view. And then all of a sudden he's like, yeah. um, and it's like, oh man, you just did a number on us. That's beautiful. Yeah. Cause they're playing it up as if he's fake faking everything. Right. He doesn't do completely what everybody does. Right. And he's, he looks suspicious right like he's not a pot person and he's like you know he once he leaves work he's just wandering around and so you actually think <clears throat> that he's not a pot person so you realize yeah. he, he does this weird little scream and he's definitely a pot person and poor yeah i mean screaming yeah she looks horrified i mean she really does a good job too man i mean oh yeah she just like she finally breaks down just starts crying because she survived so much she's been really smart and clever and then she's like i found somebody who's not uh you know and yep yeah he is <laughs> this movie is it just gets really heartbreaking here on uh, the last half hour um the first hour is um set up like i said building more and more and more of things getting further out of control and then there's a lot of action and then it just goes to like 30 minutes of pain <laughs> everyone's dying and ho all hope is lost and you think there's hope a few times and nope there's not and um that i had forgotten about the ending so it surprised me a little bit and if you don't know what's coming it's pretty pretty jarring uh to see him he just suddenly transforms and screams and then the movie's over and the movie lets you think that he is he's evaded capture and he's just kind of adjusting to a new world maybe he'll come up with a plan but nope he's one of them uh it was all for nothing <laughs> yeah uh that moment with him pointing and screaming with his mouth open has become kind of like a meme on the internet and out of context it's pretty funny looking <laughs> um in the movie, it works great with him being a monster and screaming. But if you just take uh, a snapshot, it's, it's kind of funny looking because you're like, oh. <laughs> I saw it when I was Googling around a little bit just to see some background information before we were before we were chatting. And that's that picture comes up when you Google the movie pretty, pretty often. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that <clears throat> I wanted to get your thought on that, you know, it ties in with some of the science fiction stuff. But one, one other way of interpreting this, um, I think, is that the aliens are sort of right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that if, if uh, you know, taken from that viewpoint, um, Donald Sutherland, Matthew, uh, and Elizabeth kind of seem like the crazy people um, because the, the Leonard Nimoy's character, Jeffrey, they're all saying like, no, it's better you just don't have as much like emotion, essentially. You don't have love. You know, Leonard Nimoy gives this spill about how you don't have love and you don't have hate. You just kind of are and you're part of the general collective. And um, I think it, it does a nice job of kind of highlighting the importance of individualism, even in kind of a, trying to be a collective type society, because these characters sort of go, it looks like go over the edge with it. 
Uh, but it's re- you don't really get to see what any of their mental life is like, uh, n- you know, not not much anyway. So, anyways, I thought it was, I thought it was um, really interesting to think about as a different type of collective. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of commentary here. Some of it is open to interpretation that we didn't get into too much. Um, there's some echoes of 1984 here where everybody conforming and some people trying to resist. And by the end, they are beaten by the system and end up conforming as well. Um, you could talk about, uh, you know, communism or fascism and yeah, but you make a good point. And um, there is something kind of seductive about their way of life. You know, everything's very orderly. Um, presumably there's no crime. Um, everybody's getting along right (laughs) so but they've lost their humanity literally Mm -hmm. um yeah it's uh it's thought-provoking stuff and this is that's how you know it's a really good movie because i found myself after i watched this movie uh thinking about it a lot um and wanting to watch it again and when i watched it again i saw um a lot more you see a lot more in the background and you you want to see it again knowing what you know like at the end I was really paying attention to Matthew seeing like if his acting gives any clues as to whether or not he's, he's changed and all this stuff in the background with people running or standing and staring. There's so much more. I mean, I think this is, uh, this is just a fantastic movie. Uh, If you're not used to this style, you might think it's a little slow, but you know, turn off your phone, um, turn down the lights and really just focus in on this movie for a couple of hours. And I think you'll appreciate it. It's worth it. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really good. And it does. I mean, to your point, it, it's also pretty thought provoking and um, it's visually well done. The acting's well done. It builds off some ideas from Olaf Stapleton. So it's a huge winner in that, in that sense. And, you know, Philip Kaufman is, known for kind of expressing the American ideal of individualism. I mean, it really does do a good job of, even though I kind of gave the counter narrative a minute ago, it really does a nice job of highlighting how important individualism is and having the individual personality and how horrifying it is to lose that in service of the collective. And it does a, it does a really good job of scaring the shit out of you of like losing your sense of identity and your Leonard Nimoy's characters is like, you maintain your memories are intact or maybe Jeffrey, I can't remember. One of them is like, your memories are intact. And, and Matthew, you know, Donald Sutherland's character is like, you know, when they're giving them the mild sedative, he's like, you're killing me, David. You're killing me. You're killing me, David. He just keeps saying it over and over. Yeah. That's very heartbreaking. And that scene, that's a good scene. We kind of glossed over, but he, um, yeah, where all hope seems lost and they're being like forced to take drugs and he's not even really fighting at that point. He's like, he's looking to his friend and he's trying to find some humanity, you know, and that's what he's saying. He's like, look, is there anything left there? You are, you are killing your friend. We've known each other for years um, and nothing works. So yeah, there's a lot here about, you know, looking around at the society around you and being completely baffled by what you see and how people are acting and what they think. 
Uh, yeah, again, there's a lot that could be said there. Parallels to that in our modern world. Uh, there's a lot that could be said there, but um, art, yeah. art, man, it just is timeless. Huh? It's just timeless. <laughs> yeah, it, it it really is. But yeah, you mentioned Philip Kaufman, and really the director. I mean, he does such a fantastic job here. I listened to a little bit of the commentary, and you could tell every shot he thought out about why he did it. Um, but I don't know that I've seen any of his other stuff kind of looking through here he did um henry in june i know a little bit about that movie you haven't seen it the unbearable lightness of being so um but yeah and a lot of the actors in this movie um went on to be in david cronenberg films who was maybe my favorite uh director let's see here donald sutherland i don't was he in uh let me check real quick i don't think he was in any Cronenberg films. I mean, he was in Don't Look Now. Uh, he was in. What is here? Oh, he was in Mash. Mash? Not really. <laughs> Anybody like Mash? Yeah, uh, I never watched that show too much, but that's a big show. Oh, what else was he in? He was in. Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he plays Mr. Bennett. That's awesome. He's. I feel like Donald Sutherland's been in a lot, although, like off the top of my head, I'm not going to be able to name him. Yeah, him. it's hard to think of anything the oh, big games. Yeah, that's what i that's what i should have come up with oh my gosh oh he was in the hunger games yeah, yeah. i haven't seen those movies he's old now he's like 85 years old mm-hmm. or something but um let's see here art hindle who who did he play in this movie he played um oh goodness he played He plays one of the characters in the movie. Um, anyways, he was in Black Christmas, which, hey, we'll get to that in a minute. He was also in, was he not in, I know. Oh, The Brood. He was in The Brood, Cronenberg's The Brood. Brooke Adams, which one was she in? She was in The Dead Zone. So yeah, a lot of these actors went into another great sci-fi horror film act uh, filmmaker, David Cronenberg. So... Yeah, I mean, there's there's not much to criticize about this movie. Great acting, great story, great buildup, great suspense, effects, um, common social commentary uh, that's not too in your face. You know, I mean, it's there, but you can still interpret it kind of how you want. Uh, you got Jeff Goldblum being himself, uh, which is always fun. <laughs> he was in the what was it Thor? Thor three, he was in where he's Ragnarok. the Ragnarok. Yeah. Ragnarok. He was awesome in Thor Ragnarok. He was playing yeah. basically himself. Yeah, it's so good. It's so Jurassic fun. Park, of course. You know where he just plays this kind of, I don't know, eccentric, high energy, goofy weirdo. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was my first exposure to him. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. Yeah. yeah mine, wasn't it, it okay. Independence Day where he's Wait. also the? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, where he's like the scientist that no one will listen to. There's like this really famous pose during Jurassic Park where he's laying down and he's like um, with his shirt unbuttoned that's been like memorialized. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like <laughs> sexy Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> uh, it was funny um, seeing young Donald Sutherland too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And young Jeff Goldblum, you know. Yeah. Um, Jeff Goldblum was like a kid. I mean, Donald Sutherland still looks like a middle-aged man because maybe he was in the 70s, but yeah. Goldblum looks like a 23-year-old kid. 
Yeah, yeah. And oh, The Fly, David Cronenberg's The Fly. Um, so another Cronenberg connection. What else? Just, yeah. Jeff Goldblum's one of those guys. He just has that. Not that I've seen all his movies. So if anybody's a big Jeff Goldblum fan and you want to tell me a movie where he plays a different character, sorry. But he does seem to often play one role, but it's just a great role. So, you know, um, I don't know. What else is there to say about this movie? Um, yeah, I wish I, I want to go back and see the 50s one. Uh, it's supposed to be also a very, very good film. Uh, I don't know as much about the 50s as I do about, you know, the 70s and 80s when it comes to horror films. But you can imagine some of the sociocultural stuff going on in the early 50s as they were maybe wrestling with in the late 70s. Yeah, I mean, at that time you had uh, the very real issue of communism growing, but you also had the real issue of the Red Scare, you know, McCarthyism and... Yeah, it's supposed to be a good movie. I want to read the book. Uh, it's great. This is, this is why I like the podcast. You know, it give, gave me a chance to revisit a movie I haven't seen in uh, many, many years and get a new appreciation of it. So, it gave me an excuse to talk about Star Maker. So, mm-hmm. that was kind of fun, too. <laughs> yeah. uh, and this is a movie I think it had good reviews when it came out. And since then, it's become highly highly respected it has like a 7.8 or 7.3 some really high rating on imdb uh which i use and most people use rotten tomatoes these days but um let's see what does rotten tomatoes say about this movie (laughs) i think it was like a 93 93 or 94 i think i saw when i was checking out the wikipedia entry 93 percent so um, certified fresh certified fresh check it out horror and science fiction best of both <laughs> worlds so because as we mentioned before because it's so highly regarded people won't call it a horror film they'll call it a science fiction film which it's definitely both you know mm-hmm. um but <laughs> it's definitely both it's definitely for sure horror and taps into some of like some really great sci-fi themes too it's yeah i mean both science fiction when it's done well uh you know it's thought-provoking um and this movie definitely is thought-provoking and like alien uh it gives you a sense of a bigger universe out there that we haven't discovered with all kinds of potentials some amazing and some terrifying yeah i don't know so justin are you are you satisfied with your pick I am very satisfied. Actually, I didn't even know that the film was going to give me an Olaf Stapleton shout out. So mm-hmm. I was excited about that as unexpected. But yeah, I you know I just kind of really picked it out because when I was Googling around at best horror science fiction films, it came up. I didn't have a lot of like um, expectations going into it. And it was really good. I mean, you, you've captured it all, um, I think, quite well. But Donald Sutherland was great. Jeff Goldblum was was great. Um, um, so I I really enjoyed it, and I, I think other people should watch it. I agree with you that people should uh, put down their phones, turn the lights down, and uh, have have a coffee beforehand. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's beer. it's worth the investment. <laughs> yeah, and not beer yeah, or wine. <laughs> Yeah, Leonard Nimoy, he's good in this movie. Um, Leonard Nimoy's great, too. It's just good. I mean, 
yeah, people should watch it. I agree. Well, any last thoughts before we kind of introduce what's coming up next? Let's hear it. I think we've been, I think we probably held people's attention a long time this evening. So yeah. So so. What's next, man. All right. Well, like I said, we missed uh, because we were kind of, everybody was worn out after all that we did for uh, October was, and Halloween. So we took a little break. We Also a U.S. election that was distracting for about yeah. two weeks of our lives. So yeah. we ran still, still five kind episodes of, together and then two madness weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but here we are. We made it. We're recording again. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah, the, the real world has been kind of, yeah anyways so we didn't get to do our thanksgiving special uh maybe we'll just throw a random thanksgiving special in because some of these movies they're not really thanks think that much thanksgiving but uh so now we're going to do uh depending on how time goes we're going to do two or three uh christmas themed horror movies and uh there's there's a lot a lot of christmas horror movies out there so uh, I won't give too many of them away. There's one that's mandatory. Um, but the first one that we will have out in early December is um, Mia. You tell us. It's a Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Um, which I think you guys have probably seen this movie. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time. The... Is it, you know, the great debate? Is it a Christmas movie? Is it a Halloween movie? Um, it's a Tim Burton movie, you know? So <laughs> that's what we'll be watching next. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. So go watch A Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, go to our Facebook page, leave some comments. Tell us what you think about the movies. Give us some feedback. Give us some suggestions. Um, yeah, please share any suggestions. It'd be fun to get some feedback and ideas of movies other people enjoy and any kind of engagement on the facebook page or on soundcloud page or anything will be kind of fun yeah uh, tell your friends spread the word um <laughs> the bird the bird is the word stop bird, it bird the bird is the word yes that's a family guy reference <laughs> <laughs> surfing bird all right and we have officially fallen <laughs> apart so we'll say goodbye <laughs> goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs>